Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. I told my husband earlier I was going to tell on him, you all like my shoes, right? Everybody take a minute and look at my shoes, right? They're actually comfortable, except my husband broke my big toe yesterday. So isn't that like a mom to like wear heels with a broken toe? You know, like you're sick, you have strep, and you're doing laundry or whatever, you know, like all the crazy mom things. He dropped a stool on my toe yesterday. Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> It's confession mode. Happy Mother's Day to you, though. We're so glad that you are here today. It's an honor, my honor, to celebrate the moms of Generations Church. So I want you to do me a favor. If you're a first-time mom in the room, will you stand up for me today? First-time mom. How fun. Happy Mother's Day to you. If you have um, children still living in your home, will you stand up for me? If your mom, kids still living at your house, yes, happy Mother's Day to you. What about all the empty nester moms? Like you did it, right? You finally grew them up and got them out of your house. Empty nester moms in the room today? Maybe you fit both categories. You can stand up too. All right, happy Mother's Day to you. And then to the women who we are all so thankful for, who save us on the days when we're exhausted and we need you and we need you to pep us up. All the grandmothers in the room, will you stand? My mom says that's her favorite title of all is grandmothers. So happy Mother's Day to you as well. You know, Mother's Day is always one of those interesting days because it is celebratory. But I also recognize, just like my husband said earlier, that it's a weighty day for some. Maybe the hopes and dreams and plans that you had written in your life or you had planned for you to be a mom, maybe that hasn't happened for you yet. And let me tell you today, you are in my thoughts and in my prayers, and I really am praying and believing for God to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ask or think in your life and would give you the deepest desires of your heart if it is to be a mom and to have a family. And maybe you're a mom in the room and you've lost your mom, or maybe you're a son in the room and have lost your mom. And let me tell you that we are so deeply sorry for you today. And so although this is a celebratory day, I don't want you to think that we take lightly all of the different circumstances and situations that you may find yourself in. But motherhood is funny, right? We've all learned a few things from our moms. Here are a few things I found this week. And I, I honestly, I may even laugh even reading them to you. Maybe you can relate to this. Some things my mom taught me. My mom taught me about anticipation. Things like, just you wait until your father gets home. Did your mom ever say that to you? Maybe your mother, my mom taught me about receiving. You're going to get it when I get home. Did you ever have a conversation you had to wait, like the anticipation of receiving, you know? My mom taught me to meet challenges. What were you thinking? Answer me when I'm talking to you. Don't talk back to me. I've said those things, right? My mom taught me about logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. Makes sense, right? (laughs) My mother taught me about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. (laughs) My mom taught me to think ahead. If you don't pass that spelling test, you're never going to get a job. It's fear, right? (laughs) My mom taught me about humor. If you cut your toe off mowing my grass, don't come running to me. (laughs) My mom taught me about becoming an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. My mom taught me about genetics. You're just like your father. My mom taught me about roots. Do you think you were born in a barn? 
My mom taught me about the wisdom of age. When you get my age, you'll understand. And last but not least, my mom taught me about justice. One day, you're going to have kids. And I hope they turn out just like you. And you'll know exactly what I'm going through, right? We've all, our moms have all taught us some things. I've said some of those things. You know you're turning into your mom when you grow up and you double knot everything. You double tie everything. <laughs> so true. Why is that true? I double knot everything. You hear a baby cry in the grocery store, and although your kids are at school, you start swaying back and forth. Have you ever done that? Like you're in the grocery store, you start swaying. Like you can get the baby to calm down. You actually start to like the smell of strained peas and carrots, right? You're so good at crafts, you're contemplating writing a book the one-on-one of crafting with lint from the dryer and eggshells and all the things. <laughs> You've spent half of your day searching for your sunglasses, only for your son, your teenage son, to tell you, Mom, why don't you just wear the ones on your head? You know, you're looking for something that's there. And then you're out for a nice romantic meal with your husband, and you reach over and begin to cut up his steak for him. Right? You know you become your mom when you do those things. Well, today on this Mother's Day, I want us to take a moment and continue in the fundamental series, which my husband has been in over the last few weeks. It's been an incredible series to look back and and see all of these things that we can learn from these Old Testament stories in the Bible that maybe we we learned as a young girl or a young boy in um, our children's ministry, and maybe we have forgotten how applicable they are to our lives. And so today I want to take a moment, and I want to look at a lady named Rahab. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what the Bible has to say about Rahab. In Hebrews 11.31, the harlot, Rahab. James 2.25, Rahab, the harlot. Matthew 1.5, by Rahab. Joshua 2.1, a harlot named Rahab. Joshua 6.25, Rahab, the harlot. In Joshua 6, the harlot's house. Now, maybe you're thinking, what in the world does Rahab the harlot have to do with Mother's Day? Have to do with this fundamental idea of faith? Well, let me tell you a little bit about Rahab's story. So back in the day, there were the Hebrew people. They were wanting to inherit the promised land, and God had promised them all of these cities, right? Well, Rahab resided in Jericho. She was, it was a pagan nation. She didn't know God. She didn't claim Jehovah God as her savior. But she had word that they were coming to take over Jericho, that the Israelites were coming to take over Jericho. But Joshua wanted to send some spies into Jericho to see what he was about to have to like endure, what these armies were going to have to have to face. So Joshua sends the spies to Jericho. And Jericho gets word that the spies are there. So they're kind of on the run, trying to find a place to hide. And Rahab the harlot sees them. She brings them into her home. She hides them on the roof of the house. And when the Jericho army shows up to her house and asks them, where where are these spies? I have no idea. I don't have them. She protects them, right? But she has one request at the end of this protecting as the spies are leaving. She says to them, and I'm paraphrasing here, like, I protected you. And when you go back and Joshua and the army is coming, remember me and my family. Protect us, right? We all have had labels in in our lives. You know, Corey, she's a 
fill-in-the-blank. Jeremy, he's a fill-in-the-blank. We, we give titles to people, right? Like my mom, Cindy, she's a woman of strength. Or uh, Kathy, she's a woman of great integrity. Maybe some of the titles, much like Rahab here today, they're not titles that we're fond of, right? Rahab the harlot. Yet the Bible talks about Rahab in the New Testament of being a woman of faith. Well, how could she be a woman of faith if she didn't serve this Jehovah God, if she wasn't a, a, like a Christian, as we would call it today, recognizing her need for a Savior? What does, how does faith play into the picture of Rahab? Yet when we go to the New Testament, the woman calls her, a woman of faith. Faith is such an important part of our lives. Faith is different than salvation, okay? So faith is like you're believing, you're trusting in something, right? Salvation is I'm in need of a Savior, I'm in need of grace, God save my life. Faith is the act of believing that that salvation has been done, right? The Bible actually says in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is invisible. Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, is often referred to as this hall of faith. It's filled with men and women of the Old Testament and New Testament, the stories of faith, not their salvation, the stories of faith believing. So what is faith and how does it apply to our lives? If we look at the scripture Hebrews, faith is confidence, right? It's this assuredness of what's true, a confidence that God is who he says he is. Faith is conviction. It's proving. Has God ever done anything in your life and you know it was God? It's proven to be true. It's this deep conviction. No one can talk us out of it. Faith is conviction. And faith is concrete. It's immovable. It's unshakable. It's trustworthy, right? It's generational. Here at Generations Church, we exist because generations matter, and faith, when you possess it, is this concrete thing. So in Hebrews, when we're reading about all of these people, Abraham and Isaac and and Noah building this ark by faith that he would be saved. Faith is this incredible work of God that we can trust. It's, it's not something that we can see. Have you ever tried to explain to your kids faith? It's really, it's really hard. It's like you can't see it, but it's there and we believe it. It's hard, right? It's like we can see, we breathe in the air, right? We can see the trees waving. So there's evidence of this air that we breathe, but we can't really see it. That's what faith is, right? It's like there's evidence. I, can, I know it's true, but we can't see it. That's what faith is, and that's what these people in Hebrews were commended for. Well, what does that have to do with Rahab? Well, Rahab the harlot was mentioned in Hebrews for being a woman of faith. It's amazing. And then you have 
this incredible confession of Rahab. Let me read it to you. Joshua 2, 9 through 11. And said to the men, speaking of Rahab, I know that the Lord has given you the land. The terror of you has fallen on us. And that the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came into Egypt. And what did the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed? And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven and above the earth and beneath. See, Rahab had provided this safe, this safe place for these spies, and she had hidden them. And then she had this great faith that when she asked for them to protect her, that they would. And that's exactly what happened. The Israelites begin to inhabit Jericho, and then that's when we get the story of them marching around Jericho. They had faith too, right? They were promised a city that wasn't quite theirs yet, and so they begin marching around Jericho, and the city becomes theirs. And they did, in fact, protect Rahab and Rahab's family. And then you have this, this confession of Rahab, where she claims that their God is now her God, right? The God of heaven and of your earth. This would be her salvation moment. The moment she realizes, I, not only did I faith, not only did I trust that you would do what you said you would do, but your God has proven himself true. He will do what he says he would do. And now I believe that he is the God of heaven and of earth. An incredible woman of faith that then gave her life over to the Lord. And you still may be, well, what in the world does that have to do with Mother's Day and me and salvation and faith? See, Rahab gave birth to a son named Boaz. And if you've read any of the Bible much, there are these two women who experienced great loss. Their names were Ruth and Naomi. And one day, Ruth and Naomi, they lost everything, and they're out on the run, and they come into a man working the field. His name was Boaz. The Bible actually refers to Boaz as Ruth's kinsman redeemer. And then Boaz has some children, and wouldn't you know that through the line of Boaz comes King David, a man after God's own heart. And then following the life of King David, you end up in this beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 1, where they begin listing the genealogy, and you get to Rahab the harlot, who begot Boaz, who then later begets Jesse, and then to David. And wouldn't you know it, in this beautiful line of this harlot Rahab comes the Messiah, Jesus. Rahab's moment of faith in, in the Old Testament changed eternity. Don't you think that there is a moment in history where Boaz the son of this harlot woman, was thankful for his mother's faith. 
Don't you think that there was a moment that King David was thankful for his great, 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 great grandmother's faith as he is king of this nation? Don't you think when we get to the line and the genealogy of Jesus that there was a moment and they're writing it all out of who all played a part to get Jesus on the scene that they were thankful for the harlot named Rahab? There's a few things my mom taught me that I'm very thankful for. My mom was a single mom, so thankful for her sacrifice. She's not here today, and if she was, I would tell her, Mom, I am so thankful for your sacrifice. If you're a single mom in the room, you have one of the hardest jobs on the face of the earth. My mom gave up so much for me and my sisters. Work jobs she didn't want to work, hours she didn't want to work to provide things so that we would have a better life. She's amazing. So thankful for her sacrifice. I'm thankful that my mom believed in me. She allowed us to try new things from cheerleading to crafting to making messes. She believed in me. I'm so thankful for my mom's belief in me. Maybe that's something you're thankful for, for your mom as well. I'm thankful that my mom kept me in church. I am one of three sisters. I am the middle. It was four girls. We all lived in a two-bedroom house with one bathroom. Can you imagine a morning of four girls getting ready for school? It was as fun as you, you think it was. It was that fun. It was that fun. But I'm so thankful that my mom put us in church, grounded us in church. One church my whole life. Those people became like solid rock for me. Those were the people that were, I could trust. You know, I would show up at church and they were praying for me and we would pray for them. And there were moments that my church family even provided food for my family. I remember being a young girl going out to the car. This is, this is true. We'd gone to church and I remember I was too young to actually understand the weight of it. But I remember being in the car on our way to church. We drove this huge green car. It was really funny. And we're all in it. And I remember my mom praying, God, you're going to have to provide. God, you're going to have to provide. God, I'm trusting you. You're going to have to provide. And I didn't fully understand the weight. I just remember her hearing her pray. And then we had gone to church, and I'd gone to my children's church area, and I came back out to my car. And I'm not kidding when I tell you, that car was packed full of groceries. I'm talking about full. I didn't know where we were going to sit. My mom's crying. We're laughing. I'm digging through the grocery bags like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. We're putting cans away. And my mom's telling me when we get home, and my, as we're putting cans away, mom's like, you need, to, you need to thank God for these cans. Thank God for these cans. So, like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for the food. God is provider, one church that loved us. So thankful. But the thing I'm most thankful for is my mom's faith. My mom's faith in Jesus that was instilled into me. It changed everything about who I am. Her faith in Jesus still to this day is her greatest gift to me. My mom will still call on the phone, and I, can know, I know when she's been praying, my mom cries a good bit. But she'll pick up the phone and go, Corey? I'll say, yes. She'll say, give me just a second. She'll be crying. And she'll say, I woke up. I've been praying for you today. Can I pray for you over the phone? She'll, she'll begin to pray. Pray for Cooper and for Branson, for Tucker and Kinley. See, one woman's faith has led to this moment 
of me standing in front of you telling you that the most important thing you can do is pass on the faith to your children. And then I sit on the front row of of these seats and I see Cooper playing the drums and Branson playing the bass and Tucker back there leading us in worship by switching the songs around and Kinley upstairs serving in our G kids. And it's it's not about their tasks or their talents. That's, That's not what I'm referring to today. I'm saying that I want them to know that faith is something that you possess and you pass on. And just like Rahab, there has to be a moment where not only do you have faith, that that confidence in God that's concrete, that's generational, there has to be a moment that they for themselves do exactly what Rahab does. This says, Mom, your God is my God. He is the God of heaven and earth. They have to personalize that, right? That's the salvation moment. But my responsibility is to take the faith that has been given to me and pass it on to our children. And so one day, years from now, 100 years from now, and somebody's writing out the genealogy, and they've got Jeremy, the son of Bill, the grandson of YZ. Cooper's writing these things, and he's thankful for grandparents and great-grandparents that passed faith on to him. They're writing, the great, 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 great grandmother, Corey Isaacs, thankful for her faith. It led to this moment, whatever that looks like in the future. Moms, can I challenge you today that you, you will not always get it right. There is no handbook. And I mean, there is the word of God that leads and guides and instructs us and gives us wisdom. But there's no right way. There's no book that tells us for every child, this is what you do, and it's guaranteed that they'll turn out right. We're going to get it wrong. We're probably going to get it wrong more than we get it right. And then there comes a moment where our children are responsible to take the faith that we've passed on and, and, and prove it for themselves. But if you can give one gift, moms in the room, if you can give one gift, grandmas in the room and great-grandmas in the room, it is not about getting it right every day. But it is passing on the faith, the faith that is confident to tell your children, it's, it's you can trust God, you can prove him, it's, it, it's generational, you, it will last for eternity. That is the greatest gift that you can give to your children. Not perfection, but faith in Jesus and who he is. Rahab works her way into the New Testament, not because she got it right, right? Her, her actual like title carried her even through this faith chapter. of Jesus. She finds herself faithful in the eyes of God, yet everyone else still referred to her as the harlot, Rahab, right? There are some things we've probably all done in our lives we wish we could get rid of the title of, no, we're not proud of. Don't ever let anyone tell you, though, that that is the marker of who you are. That is not who you are. That may be something you've done. But if God has saved you, that's not who you are, and you can pass on faith, and it can be instrumental instrumental in your family's life. So generations from now, they're thankful as they sit in a church building, thankful for your faith. Let's pray today. Jesus, I'm so thankful for every mother in this room. 
I'm thankful for the gift of life. I'm thankful for the gift of faith. It's not always easy to faith. It's, it's trusting in the things we can't see. But there is this conviction in us that we believe with all of our heart that you are who you say you are. Will you help us to personalize faith? Will you help it to be something that is so deep within us we can't help but to pass it on? And that because of our profession of faith, generations upon generations upon generations of our family are saved. Maybe in this room today there are those that have never given their life over to you. That have never personalized their faith. I pray right now that they would give their heart over to you. That they would feel you in a way that they've never felt you before, experienced you in a way that they've never experienced you before, and that their faith would come alive in them. That it would change them forever. Maybe there are those of us in the room today, and we're saved, we believe you. We believe that the work of Jesus was done on the cross and that it can be trusted in our lives but maybe we're not really sure how to, how to pass it on. Or maybe we feel like we've made too many mistakes to, to pass it on. Lord, would you redeem our past? Would you find us faithful and that the generations of our family would be forever changed? Thank you for every mother in this room. What a gift they are to us. I pray blessings and favor over them now in the name of Jesus. I pray that their children would be blessed and their homes would be blessed, that your favor would rest upon them and that they would walk in grace and health and truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.